the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to this KGNW broadcast special, Heart of the City. Pastors, ministry leaders, and churches have received a call to serve their communities with the love and compassion of Christ. The call is from God's heart to the heart of the city. Well, hello there. This is Chuck Olmstead, and this is Heart of the City. Each program, we like to have a pastor or a ministry leader on to be able to share their own personal testimony. You know, KGNW has some great teaching times uh, throughout the day and on the weekends where, where you can hear some great teaching from pastors. But with this program, I like for pastors and ministry leaders to be able to share what the Lord did in their life personally and to kind of share their own personal testimony. And so today I have a good friend of mine, Kai Martin, who's the senior pastor at Living Way Foursquare Church in Seattle. And uh, welcome this morning, Kai. Thank you, Chuck. It's a great honor to be with you. Yeah. Well, we've known each other for probably, what, four or five years now, yeah, maybe? we're going on five now. And uh, had some sweet times of prayer and fellowship and learning and uh, just experiencing life together. And uh, when I thought about uh, asking you to come on, I thought, you know, Kai, I know, has a great testimony. I can't say that I've heard your whole testimony. Oh, and so okay. uh, I, I thought our listeners would really like to hear what the Lord um, has done in your life. I'm assuming that you were born as a very young child. I was. Yeah. An it, infant of all it's things. As an infant. Kind of like Moses <laughs> and others, yeah. Yeah. So was that here in the Seattle area? Were you, yeah. Did you grow up around here? Yeah, I grew up on an island. Real, It's within broadcast range of this uh, studio on Vashon Island. We call it the center of the world <laughs> for the people that are raised there. Uh, everyone else just refers to it as Vashon. But uh, yeah, raised over there and uh, all 18 years before I went off to school. And so that, that island was home. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bashan Island actually is where our KGNW transmitter site is. So, See, center so, of the world. Yeah, it is the center of the world for us, at least. So, uh, so grew up there on the island, went to, now, is there, there's not a high school on Bashan? There is, it's uh, Bashan High School. Oh, really? And, okay. And uh, we actually now have commuters from Seattle that take the ferry just to go to Bashan High School. Again, center of the world. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um so grade school, high school, and you still have family there on Yeah, my, my father and my stepmother uh, live on the island, and my mom and my stepfather live in West Seattle. So uh-huh. and my brother's on Vashon still. So we're still very connected to the island. What's it like growing up on Vashon Island? Well, now speaking to a lot of friends that are raised either in the city or other places, um, it was a, a great blessing. You know, when you could walk on the beach and uh, find uh, sea cucumbers and chase after bullhead and you know you can literally waste entire days on the beach or uh, up in the woods and uh, a phenomenal upbringing uh, some of our closest friends still to this day uh, are there and um, it's it was a place in which a lot of questions a lot of fears uh, it's a place of great affluence uh, to live on Vashon costs a lot of money uh, but also a place of great need and um, so we got to see that in a spiritual way there's many many people that are seeking after 
many different gods, uh, but a lack of peace is is very evident in their hearts. Yeah. So uh, junior high, grade school, junior high, high school, did you, um, were you involved in sports? Were you, what was, what yeah. was your activity life like back then? Yeah, pretty much every sport we could play we did. I have uh, two brothers, one's older by two years and one's younger by two years. And their names are Knuth, is my younger brother, and my older brother's Praven. And uh, both are extremely good leaders. Um, and so my older brother is now in uh, TV production. My younger brother is, uh, works for the F- uh, Federal Highway Administration. So uh, both went kind of different directions, uh, one within kind of the sports arena, and then the other one went uh, with moving earth. But uh, being raised on five acres, and, um, and then my mom, when they separated, moved to the beach. And so we had kind of the best of all worlds um, in the sense of uh, paradise to grow up in and a lot of close friends, people looked out for us. Um, sports, you know, was everything from football, baseball, basketball, wrestling, lacrosse, pretty anything that had competition and you could win was something that we, we, we did. <laughs> so you three boys, were you competitive with each other then? Yeah, it was a constant uh, brawl. Um, but uh, now today, very, very close. Uh-huh. I think in a lot of ways since uh, high school, we have gotten even closer. Um, they're very dear to me. We talk all the time. And um, really value each other in, in our lives. Yeah. So talk to me about then um, what your spiritual life was like. What was your family, uh, you know, background, your spiritual walk at that time? Yeah. Well, um, growing up, my, my parents were involved in transcendental meditation, which is uh, loosely uh, Hinduism. Um, and many practice it kind of coming out of the 1970s for the purpose of uh, peace, enlightenment. Um, all of us as younger boys received our own mantra uh, from a person here in Seattle that would uh, help us to um, navigate to peace, I guess is the right way to say it. And uh, so growing up, my, when my parents split, my stepfather that stepped into our lives was also a practicing Hindu um, that uh, my mom and him served a guru just north of Bombay by the name of Guru Mai Shivananda uh, that um, was an object of worship for us. She was in every room in our home, and um, we would go on family vacations to her ashram uh, to worship her and to be with her. Uh, my my father practiced transcendental meditation, but it was uh, its intention was for peace and um, kind, of, kind of clarity of mind. Uh, didn't have a lot of the trappings that came with Hinduism. But uh, our regular readings in kind of the junior high, high school time with my stepfather was the Mahabharata or the Vedas, uh, which were uh, Hindu scriptures. And so it was a mixture because on Vashon, there's um, a lot of people have different beliefs. So we would mix into that uh, astrology. We'd mix into that uh, tarot reading cards, uh, which I would know today is witchcraft. Um, but uh, at the time, it was, it was clamoring after the spiritual world. Uh, somebody would hear you. Somebody would respond to you. Uh, uh, deeply afraid of death, and um, and so it was kind of a hogpodge of a lot of different um, perspectives until I came to my freshman year in, in high school. I walked into a general uh, science classroom on Vashon Island, and the uh, teacher I found out later was also a Pentecostal pastor, and um, I was using the Lord's name in vain. I was uh, swearing, and um, he looked at me and he said, uh, you're in my classroom, you'll shut your mouth. Uh, in my classroom, you will not use those words. Um, if you have questions, I'd love to talk with you about those. Uh, but at this point, uh, your language is unacceptable in my room. And I never had anybody speak to me that way. Um, and so I took him at his word. I said, okay, all right, I'll change my language. 
And then I just started firing questions at him about Jesus, about uh, death, about multiple gods, about sexual morality, everything that could uh, a ninth grade little perverted boy could think of, um, I would throw at him. And he is probably one of the smartest men that would never take the bait and go into um, ninth grade humor, uh, but would always bring us back to questions that would really challenge us. And being in a secular school, he couldn't just preach. He goes, Kai, if you have a question, you have to ask it. I can't just bring these things up. If you want to talk about sexual morality, if you want to talk about uh, the exclusivity of Christ, those are things that you have to ask, and it may not be appropriate in classroom. And so if it's not appropriate in the class, we'll talk about it outside. And so for four years, I battered him with questions. Four years. Four years. I'm not a good math student or science, um, but I wanted to be in his classroom. Um, I loved him as a person. Uh, I gave him the nickname Leonard, even though his real name is Steve Sears. And and we became the dearest of friends. And he answered my questions. Um, He addressed me as uh, a man that was seeking and earnestly desiring. And as a result of it, my senior year led me to Jesus Christ. And... um, He was one of these men that uh, showed the compassion and love of the Lord to a man that uh, was really lost. And what I found happened was my language changed around him. Um, I'd use the Lord's name in vain when I wasn't around him. But when I was with him, he just goes, if you knew who you're talking about, you wouldn't speak that way. And uh, things like that, he didn't shut me down, but he really clarified that I didn't know who I was speaking of or what I was talking about. And... um, and that led to about four years of questions. Um, I got heavily involved in witchcraft due to an injury in football that um, I went to an astrologist here in Seattle due to a, a growth plate fracture that took over staph infection. And their answer was, you're not going to walk for six months. Well, baseball was in six weeks. And so my mom said, let's go to an astrologist. He said, if you take these compounds, your ankle will be stronger than your other and you'll play a full season. And uh, Chuck, that was my best baseball season I've ever played. Wow! Batted over 500, um, and had this. And they looked at the X-ray, and when they cleared me to play, and they said, "We've never this ankle is now stronger than the other." And I was healed demonically is um, the only way that I know how to explain it. I put my trust into an astrologist, and so that led me deeper and deeper. And whenever I had questions, I would go back to that astrology tape as it related to relationships, as it related to uh, views on eternal life or reincarnation. And um, those were all things that were poignant to me. And so when somebody would say the spiritual world is very active, I'd look at them and go, oh, I know, I believe, I've experienced. And so thankfully, my pastor on Vashon uh, realized that the spiritual world was both uh, good and bad, and that there was uh, wicked forces along with uh, godly forces and kept pointing me toward the Lord. And um, when I was a sophomore, uh, I became a creationist uh, two years before I became a Christian, and um, was convinced from science of the uh, validity of the the scriptures and what was declared and uh, what I could see in the book of Genesis. And then um, later in my my junior and senior year, God sent a groundskeeper to the island uh, that I began to make up classes to be able to get on the football and baseball field during the day. And he got saved listening to Christian radio in his uh, early 40s by the name of Paul Guntoli. And uh, he just began to pick weeds with me, mow with me, and uh, pressed me into the scriptures. And he just said, you don't know what you're speaking of. And so I looked at my mom and I said, I need his study Bible. And so she bought me the inductive study Bible, which has no commentary. And he taught me how to read and process the word and cross-reference. And and midway through that, I started going to church. Uh, I was in the small little Pentecostal church in Vashon that 
I'd went into. I didn't know what the hymns were. I didn't know what anything was going on, but I knew the presence of peace that was there. And being raised with an Eastern perspective, I thought, well, it's the shrine. You know, anytime the shrine is open, I'll be there. And so Wednesday nights, Sundays, Sunday nights, whenever the doors of the church were open, I went and I found peace. And I thought it was the building. And then they had a church barbecue. And everyone went outside, and I found the same amount of peace outside that I found inside. And I remember thinking, this is the strangest occurrence. How did, how did this get outside of the shrine? And later, when I actually committed my life to Christ, I realized at that point that, oh my goodness, it's the presence of God goes with his people. And once I knew Jesus Christ, it didn't matter if I was in the shrine or outside of a shrine, he now lived inside of me. And I could have that same peace, not just on Sunday or Wednesday, but everywhere that I went. You mentioned uh, that your mom helped get you a Bible. So was she concerned about your interest in this new Christian faith? That's a great question. uh, Um, But she was willing to get a Bible for you. Yeah, when she was raised, she was raised Episcopalian. So there was a respect for uh, spiritual things. She always considered me the spiritual son of the three and would always say, I can speak to you about spiritual things. And I was very open to the spiritual world. And so in the perspective of many times kind of what I would call Western Hinduism is the perspective in which all faiths have validity. And so in reading the scriptures, there can be great good in that. Um, Not when you come to a radical or an exclusive perspective or an evangelical or Pentecostal perspective, but when you come to a place of, well, that was a a meaningful scripture out of Matthew or out of the Psalms. And and the guru that uh, we serve would quote from the Psalms or quote from Proverbs in her writings and so it was smattered in there. So getting me the scriptures was more of a request of a son of saying, I know he has something that I need. And, and she was willing to, to meet me in that. And then I think it was four months after starting to read the scriptures is when I gave my life to Jesus. Hmm. Hmm. And what was that experience like? Well, it, was, it felt like every other Sunday I went to church, and they said, well, it's Easter. And up to that point, Easter was just a, a gathering generally we had as a family. There's bunnies that came out and were put on the table, uh, a lot of, ate a lot of um, candy, but I never heard of the resurrection of Jesus. And I know we'd sung about it in the services, but it never come to a pointed place. And that Sunday morning, I went in like I normally did to a church service. I'd been made a routine over about four months to be there. And uh, he shared a very pointed message about Jesus Christ being raised from the dead, unlike and distinct from all other religious leaders that all had died and perished and been buried. And, um, and I was thinking through all of the history that I knew, and everyone that I knew had not conquered death. Uh, they were either mythical figures that never died or never lived, or they were like Muhammad or Confucius or others that were buried. And so when he went through the state of what happened on the cross to the tomb— his parting shot was, if Jesus Christ is alive, you need to die. And uh, gave an altar call. I did the reverse altar call and ran to my truck. Um, and, and it was a deep conviction that I knew what he had said was true. But still, the pride of life had held me back. And so I got into my truck. I made it about probably 100 yards down the road. And I committed my life to Jesus. I just said, I know you're alive. As a result of you being alive, I must die. You can have my life. You have my sin. As he promised, as you promised, you would accept me as a son. Something in that vein, by the time I was home, they recognized something had transformed in me. And I just said, I committed my life to Jesus. And um, 
okay, it's a fad. You know, you're going to yeah. kind of go through this. And yeah. I just go, man, I went through a country music fad. I went through, you know, some of these other fads that were there, but this is transformative. There's something has changed inside. And so that was my senior year, 1995, um, in which uh, the Lord transformed me on that uh, Resurrection Sunday morning. And so just from a practical point of view, what in your life changed? Well, I was deeply involved in sexual morality, um, and it was a bondage that uh, drove me. And I recognized quickly by just reading the scriptures that it grieved God's heart. And I knew that the idols had already grieved his heart, and I dealt with them about two months before I got saved in reading the book of uh, Isaiah 43 through 46, how idols grieve God's heart. And like any smart man, you don't want to meet God before you've offended God. You don't want to meet him. So I figured I better get all the things that offended him out of my life. And so I uh, broke all of the idols that were mine in my possession. I smashed the astrology tape. I destroyed all of the connections that I had to witchcraft and um, to my possession of the pictures of the guru. And so as a result of that, it was still two months before I was born again, but it was just deep. I did not want to offend him before I met him. So meeting him was a liberty and a joy, but he had to set me free from sexual morality um, was something that was bound on the inside, not something just on the outside. And so I went and I confessed my sin to my girlfriend at the time. And I said, you know, I, I, I belong to Jesus. And thankfully, she was the one that came to me and said, you need to live for him and you're living a hypocritical life. Change your ways. And uh, she was in, she set me free, in which mm-hmm. I'm eternally grateful. Um, and, and then the lying, the deceiving, uh, pride was a significant piece in which I had held a lot of hatred and bitterness. And it was just in reading the scriptures and talking with the Lord that those things began to be addressed one after another um, uh, with uh, the people that had wronged me, forgiving them, people that I had wronged going personally. I'd uh, TP'd my sixth grade uh, teacher's house and uh, bleached his yard. And I felt deep conviction. So I went to his house, asked his forgiveness. Now that was 10 years later. And said, what I'd done is uh, miserable and wrong. I was a, a mean little 12-year-old. Would you forgive me? And um, his son, I didn't know, had just committed his life to Jesus. And he said, you're the second one now that is declaring to me of what the Lord's done to change you. And uh, so one after another. And I've now realized that's just a path in which God takes all Christians that want to serve him. They're going to serve him with a full heart. Yeah, yeah. So you're 18 years old. You've just received Jesus into your life. Your your family has kind of seen it as a phase, mm-hmm. but uh, they've seen a change in your life. Right. So where do you go next? Well, I, I went to work in Alaska for the summer to try to earn money to go to school. And, um, and in, there's a small little Assembly God church up in Skagway, Alaska that discipled me for three months. So everyone in that church, there's 12 people, became invested in me. And they gave me everything that they knew. And so I devoured the scriptures. I think I finished the the Bible within the first year and a half, um, consumed everything I could find on religions and false faiths and other things to try to uh, solidify an apologetic approach. And then I went to play football at PLU in Tacoma uh, for Frosty Westering, who's a very strong believer. And um, I met a group of leaders and coaches that helped disciple me for the next four years. And so those, those students became brothers in the Lord, and uh, we were able to see a massive uh, work of God's Spirit there on that university's campus. Yeah, yeah. 
Now, you have some children, so obviously you met somebody along the way. Yeah, I was blessed, yes. <laughs> um, I, for a, a season of time, I thought because of my sexual morality that uh, the Lord would not entrust me with a woman. Uh, and that was simply due to failure and pain. And I just said, Lord, gifts that you've given, I have squandered. I understand if you would not give again. Um, but after, a, I think it was three years, four years of walking with the Lord, I felt like he was going to give me a wife. And so I began to pray, and it was our junior year at PLU. She transferred in from the Tacoma Community College, and uh, we were in student government together. She was a very strong, spirit-filled believer, and um, uh, and we served alongside each other. We started campus ministry there together, um, and it, her recollection of it was that I really would not pay her mind for the first about year, um, but really got to know her as a sibling in the Lord. And then, as she said, at some point, his eyes finally opened, and, <laughs> and a year and a half later, we were uh, married and uh, served together now for about 20 years. Wow. You know, it's interesting that you mention uh, this story about how you thought that, that you no longer deserve to have that kind of a relationship because of your sin. Mm-hmm. A few weeks ago, I had on a pastor, Brandon Rainwater, from Vine Ministries, a uh, somewhat similar experience, how he felt that he had disqualified himself because of indiscretions in his youth, right. that he could not no longer have that privilege. The, the fact that God is our Redeemer is such a powerful message, isn't it? It is. And I remember not coming to him with expectation, but coming to him just as a broken vessel. And I think a lot of times when people come with an underlining expectation of, you will do this for me, they're very disappointed. Mm-hmm. But when I came to him, I just said, I deserve nothing. You know, if you're going to call me a son, and I just started from that perspective. And so for him to give me a wife and now three children, um, to give me the, the relationships and the friends and the, the partnerships that we have across the city and across the nation and the world now, to, to see the kingdom of God come, it, the only way that you can come back to is the place of saying it's got by God's grace, by his power, that the restoration that has taken place, yes, he used me as a vessel, but there's no way that I could have done it apart from his leading and his empowering um, and his gifts. Yeah. So you met this girl, uh, you eventually married her, but then somehow, how did you end up becoming like this crazy pastor guy? Well, that's by accident, I think, in some (laughs) ways. Um, My desire was to be a a football coach. Mm -hmm. That's why I went to PLU and thought I'd be an educator, so I went and got my degree and um, as a result of that, I just started discipling men in the football program and then all of a sudden started leading the campus ministries that were there, uh, was appointed. And it was almost by uh, force that I got pushed into a place of leadership. And then um, he spoke to me in several visions um, to step into ministry, to uh, trust him in that. And so I served for five summers up in Skagway, Alaska, that church up there. I, I became their they said it was associate pastor, but it's pretty much you did everything from secretarial to treasurer to the, you're the janitor and uh, fill-in preacher. But um, they trained me, and they, they gave me um, the opportunity to be a shepherd and take it with one of the – it's one of the highest honors ever uh, bestowed upon me is the opportunity to lead people that God has put um, around me and to give them the Word of God and to nurture their faith. And so um, – it went uh, not unwillingly, but to the place of he had to break things in me to be a place of saying, okay, God, I'll trust you in this. And had multiple people, Germans, Americans, Israelis, others saying, you're supposed to preach the word of God. And I, and then I thought, well, I'll do that, but I'll be a football coach. 
And he had to strip that part of my life away from me to be the place of saying, no, I want you to equip disciples. And so we've done that now for, um, I think, together as a married couple, 16 years. And it's now been about 20, 21 years uh, that I've been serving the Lord. And so as a result of that, there's been great joy and great fruit. Now you're at Living Way Foursquare Church, uh, which is up near uh, the Northgate area, yeah. over on Greenwood, and uh, near Greenwood. Um, and uh, you've been there for how long? We've been there almost five years. It'll be October. Uh, came up there, and you were one of the first ones to take me out to lunch and said, hey, I want to get to know you. I have some Foursquare background in there. And Foursquare, I'm an adopted son into Foursquare. You were raised in Foursquare. And um, I'm very grateful for that family. Very grateful for the church that God's given us. Yeah. Well, Kai, I've enjoyed this time together. Uh, great testimony about the, the faithfulness of God. You know, there's a scripture that is re- actually my life verse that is from Psalms 37.3, and it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. And as I see how the Lord has been faithful in your life, I know that he can do that in the lives of of others and our listeners today. So God bless you, and thanks for joining me today. Amen. You've been listening to this KGNW special, Heart of the City. For more information about how your pastor or ministry can be featured on KGNW, call Chuck Olmstead at 206-269-6216 or go to KGNW.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.